This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the brand new European show here at Blood Red. I am your host Mo Stewart and we are going to be looking across the big leagues in Europe, trying to find out exactly what's going on, taking the temperature, particularly in this time when Liverpool are still in European action themselves. It never hurts to keep an eye on the competition. Now, some of these shows we're going to be doing a little bit from each of the leagues But for this first one, I wanted us to concentrate on La Liga because that's where the biggest game of the weekend took place. And to join me, I have an avid La Liga fan, chief football writer for Squawker.com, Mohamed Butt. Mo, La Liga has been a joy for us fans so far this season. I think at the start of the season, we were talking about the most open title race for years. We get to the other side of this big Madrid derby and we find Real Madrid with quite the large lead. How have we got to this point? For months, it looked like it was, like you said, it was going to be, this is going to be the most open La Liga title race ever. Real Madrid are in it, Sevilla, Real Sociedad, you know, who could be Atletico Madrid are involved, Barcelona aren't obviously, but you know, everyone else is like, okay, this is great. And what happened is basically Real Madrid put together a seven match winning run in La Liga. They've won the last seven games. And while they were doing that, Real Sociedad dropped points, Sevilla dropped points, and Atletico Madrid, crucially, I mean, they've lost the last two games, they dropped points. And, you know, it, it, it sounds absurd to say, because but it, it's just when you win seven games in a row mm. and your opponents don't win, what happens? Like, look at look at the Premier League last year, Man City. Uh, previously, Man City would win seven games, Liverpool would win seven games, or six games, and it would be, and it'd be, they'd be very tight. Last season, Man City won seven games, no one else won seven games, they won like four. Three and so Man City creep ahead of the top, and that's what's happened. That's what's happening. Um, you know, again, look at the, again, look at the Premier League. Man United were in the title race first four or five games of the season because they were winning games, they managed <laughs> to start dropping points, and now they're like, what, eighth, seventh? Yeah. I don't know where the hell they are. You know what I mean? So, Real Madrid just consistency, just the beacon of consistency. Mm. And what's funny about it is if you watch them. In the games themselves, they start off and they're never the beacon. You're thinking, "Ooh, ooh, they're in trouble here. They're gonna, they're gonna." And what happens is, Karim Benzema does something incredible, or Vinicius Junior does something incredible, or and Courtois makes a bunch of saves, and it's like, oh. And then what happens is, it's brilliant because their midfield, the veteran midfield now, Casemiro, Luka Modric, Tony Cruz, Luka Modric, defying age and everything at 36 years old, um, and Tony Cruz, who is 30 only, but plays like he's about 40 and always has, uh, you know. But they. They can struggle to get to dominate games at first. And then what and then Cortar bells them out with saves and everything. But what happens is once Madrid get a goal, they're like, oh, oh, okay. Because that that all it's all in their head now. They've been playing together for so long. It's all in their head. They know exactly how to dominate games. They just need that leg up. They used to get it from they used to get it from Cristiano. Now they get it from Benzema Vinicius. And when they get it, I mean, if you watch the Madrid Derby, it's amazing. Because honestly, you're watching either team, Atletico got these lot here. They got them here. And then Bish Bash Bosch. Beautiful goal from Real Madrid. Yeah. Modric wins the ball. You know, Vinicius, great cross, Benzema. And then after that, Madrid were like, yeah, all right, cool. See you later. And then just like, control it's, the game. It's amazing. It's exactly what you said. Because the two times when Real Madrid scored in that game were the periods where Atletico Madrid were starting to look yeah. the most dangerous. And so it's that muscle memory of knowing how to win tough games that's yeah. dipping through. And this is really interesting to me for Real Madrid because... A lot of people said that this this incarnation of the team was going to have to move on. They were going to have to evolve past them. It was just history and time were eventually going to catch up with them. 
But Zidane relied on those guys to win the title for them two years ago. Mm. Ancelotti, a guy who knows a lot of them very well, has come in and he's been like, well, a lot of these guys are still performing for me. So why am I taking them out of the team? <laughs> like, they've got the likes of Fede Valverde, who uh, is, is assumed to be the future of the midfield. Eduard Camavinga as well. Yeah. And yet, they don't really have any case to be able to say we deserve to be starting ahead of those other guys. Because, like you say, Modric was an absolute magician at the weekend. It's, it's, it's the, the thing is, what Valverde and what kind of finger would give Madrid, athleticism, dynamism, power, uh, penetration with their runs, dribbling, that sort of thing, they don't need a massive abundance of it while Vinicius and Benzema are playing like they're playing. When Vinicius and Benzema, especially Vinicius, when he stops terrorizing teams they're going to need to bring in Valverde or Camavinga and get something from like at the start of the season they needed Camavinga to come off the bench a couple of times and do something because they weren't necessarily getting it what they wanted and you know that that will then what's great for Madrid is those two are very young very physical and very capable of doing just that and what the starting trio does is gives them control what and what the difference between last season and this season for Madrid is Vinicius Jr right last season Benzema was really good not quite this good he's been He's taken like he's Messi's left, and he's like, "Oh, it's mine now," and he's yes. sort of taking a step up because you know the king has gone. He's like, "I'm taking the throne, boys." You know, he's he's coming for the throne. Like last, you know, last year he he could, he was great, but like he took the throne in Madrid when Ronaldo left. Now he's now he's coming for the throne of the league, and he's going to get it. I mean, he's on it already, and he's mm. going to get it. He's brilliant, absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, sorry, Robert Lewandowski, but you're not the best striker in the world, mate. That guy is. Um, but Vinicius is the is the catalyst because he's now scoring goals, and so it's not just Benzema carrying the team with his goals. There's someone else to it. Benzema's not having a great game. Benzema's being marked out of games. Vinicius Jr. shows up, makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And that's huge for Real Madrid. Oh, even the thing is, it's even if it's not Vinicius, it's someone else. So in the Classico, PK did a pretty good job keeping Benzema quiet. Benzema wasn't really influential in the game. But David Alaba shows up and scores a goal from 30 <laughs> yards. Yeah, 25 yards. And, you know, it's just they find ways to score goals. Madrid have always scored goals. This is why I've always thought it's funny. People are like, Oh, they've sold this striker. They're going to sign this striker. I, I'd never get afraid about Madrid signing strikers as an opposition because they always score goals. No matter who's up front, they find a way to score goals. When you want to be afraid of Madrid, when they start buying midfielders and defenders, like when they bought Alaba, you're thinking, oh, oh, now they're making a real team. Oh, now we need to be afraid. Yeah. And so they bought David Alaba in the summer. That was very astute. Have they not sold Hakimi? You know, like, look, if they get, if they get Mbappe, that's terrifying. But at the same time, Madrid will whistle goals. It's just gonna, they're just going to score more, I guess. Well, they're going to get a chance to have a good look at Mbappe in the Champions League now. <laughs> yes, let's, yes, let's, that's, let's, that's, that game is loaded with we're loaded ooh. with narrative. <laughs> but um, let's talk about their opponents of the weekend, Atletico. Because yeah. as I said, when they came into the games against Liverpool in the Champions League, they were top of the league. They were looking like the ones with most strong. And I keep saying this when I talk about Atletico Madrid. They've got an abundance of attacking riches, but they don't look like they know how to use them properly? Or is it just that they're all coming in and out of form at different times, do you think? It's partly the form. It is partly the fact that they can't seem to get everyone on the same page at the same time. Partly it's Juan Jimenez is not, can't play consistently and he's their best defender. And so, and Savage is, and so they're playing Felipe, they're playing uh, uh, Condogbia in defence. Condogbia is not a great defender, and if anyone who watched Liverpool versus Atletico Madrid both games would know, Felipe is not a good defender. Um, so you know he's he's a defensive coach and he's got no defenders. So I mean, you know, what do you think? Is going to oh, Black's taking a step down. He's fallen off a little bit now. I mean, but that's not even really the major problem. The problem is most about that the, the defence is just not good enough. Like they can't hold leads anymore. Their their trademark result has gone from being one 0 to two one. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because they're still good defensively because of the organization he has, but they can't, their centre backs just aren't that good. This is not Miranda and, and Godin. This is not Godin and Jimenez. This is not even Savage and Jimenez. This is uh, Felipe, Hermoso, and Condogby. And I like Hermoso, but he's the best of the three of them and he's not that great. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not. Like, so that's the problem for them. The other thing is, of course, scoring goals. Luis Suarez, they signed him and everyone was like, oh, they've got one over on Barca. And yeah, but as I said at the time, that's a one-year revenge deal you've got there. He's going to give you one year of absolute hate-fueled brilliance, which he did, and then he's going to drop off. Same thing Michael Lauder, when Michael Lauder went to Real Madrid from Barcelona. He gave Real Madrid one year of hate-fueled vengeance. They won La Liga, and then he dropped off because it was like he only went there because he was angry at, at the other team. And look, fair enough, but now you look at Suarez, and he's a ghost of himself. He's, I mean, mm. in the games against yeah. Liverpool, I mean, look, he, was, he, couldn't, he couldn't handle Van Dijk in 2019. He was bouncing off Van Dijk then. He couldn't handle him now. And do you know what's funny is actually, I, I think the Liverpool games are the great, what turned Liverpool, what turned a late season. I think until Griezmann sending off in that first game against Liverpool, I thought they were, they were looking really good. They had a few mistakes, but they looked really good. And they were, they were absolutely, Griezmann was putting Van Dijk in a washing machine and it was like, oh, wow, okay, here we go. Griezmann got sent off. And since then, they've just sort of, like, it's, they've not looked the same. That the mental, I know that sounds absurd to say that Griezmann's, you know, but it's just like that turned that game. And I think not winning that game or losing, as it turns out, mm. I think that's completely derailed their season in a way. And I think they just look like a team that's that doesn't know how to play, no. doesn't have an idea of how to play. And like they've got amazing talent in players. They've got, they should be playing beautiful attacking football. They've got the best squad in La Liga. They've got Thomas Lamar. They've got Rodrigo de Paul. They've got Antoine Griezmann, who's back in his element playing well. They've got Ja Felix, for God's sake. Came off the bench and was amazing. Probably like one of the best outfielders on the pitch uh, in the last and second half of that game. And like, but it's just, yeah, they put, Simeone has to evolve. This is like the, the point when, if you're, again, Premier League, Tony Pulis reached his point with Stoke when his Stoke team had gotten so good at being defensive that there's something they had to start being attacking and the players wanted to be attacking and the fans wanted it. And it's like Tony Pulis could not make that leap. No. And, and Simeone's tried a couple of times before to make the leap and he hasn't done it, but he's sort of hung around and persevered because he don't want to let him go because he's a legend. It's now he's at the point where, again, he has to make the leap. He's won La Liga, did it very, you know, it was okay, it was good, but now they need to get even better. And, and it's not as then, easy as it sounds, is it? I it's mean- not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> Look, man, it's easier to go from helter-skelter to solid. Look at, again, Liverpool, 2018, 17, 18, helter-skelter, great fun, lo- lovely. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't win anything. Become a bit more solid. It's easier to go that way to become to I think I take a mad team and become solid than to take a solid team and make them expansive and attacking because the confidence, like the way Man City play, great example, Man City or Barcelona for that matter. You can see actually with Barcelona this year, it's not as simple as having an attacking coach. You need to have a coach that can act to get the players to actually believe what they're doing and and to believe in the to the degree that they will not be shaken by opponents pressing them. That takes time. Took Pep a whole year at Man City. Took Pep a yeah. whole year at Man City. At Barca, he had a cheat code because all the players grew up in La Masia, so it was easy. He did it very quickly. But took him a long time at Man City. and took him a year at Bayern really, to get it really right as well. It takes a while to get players to believe it. So Simeone has to now show faith and show patience with an attacking team, an attacking approach. Will he, though? Don't know. This is what we're going to see. And will they have patience in him? I mean... This oh, is- yeah, they will. He's He's got a massive, massive... He's got carte blanche at that club. He can do what he wants. He's he's won he's won the two league titles, won a Europa League, taken them to two Champions League finals. Like he can do whatever he wants. He can write it down, <laughs> and check it there. That's why he's not leaving. Anyone that's anyone that links him anywhere else is just a liar. He's never leaving that club. They they love him there. He can do whatever he wants. And yeah, yeah. I mean, 
again, to, to draw another Premier League comparison, it's like Sean Dyche, he's probably never going to leave Burnley either. Yeah, like he's, he's, mean, he's, he's happy in his little fiefdom. He's, he's there, <laughs> like, you know. It, it, who are they going to get this betting Simeone? No one. Yeah. True. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about Madrid here, but they are yeah. not the premier city in Spain because the city of Seville <laughs> have yeah. two teams in the top three at the moment. Now, Sevilla, most people would have expected they were one of the title the teams in the title mix. Yeah. But Real Betis, Real Betis were not. They're the best team in the league right now to watch. They're the they best team in the fantastic. league to watch. They, they, they put Real Sociedad to the sword 4-0 at the weekend. It was a fantastic game as well, one in which they were throwing cuddly toys onto the pitch at halftime, as is their Christmas tradition. But this is another example of a club giving a manager time because Mm -hmm. when Manuel Pellegrini first came in, they'd obviously had a bit of a poor time. They finished 15th the season beforehand and he didn't hit the ground running. There were a lot of draws in his early games, but they kept faith in him. They kept faith in his system and now he's turned it around. And the thing I like the most about this team is that there are lots of players who have been previously written off. So you think about Sergi Canales, who mm. was the teenage sensation and then kind of dropped away. Yeah. Now a 30-year-old man, he looks like he's grown into his into his game. Mm. And then, of course, there's Nabil Fakir. The mercurial Nabil Fakir. Who Liverpool's, like be, Liverpool's Nabil Fakir. Yeah. Liverpool footnote who is now looking like the player who we saw at Leon. Um, yeah. It's a great story. You always want to see new teams in the mix, but a lot of it is going to depend upon Barcelona as to how long they can stay up there, isn't it? Well, the thing with Betis is, right, they're really good. It's just you worry about them because obviously a lot of it is based off, a lot of their success right now this season is based off Fanny's goal scoring, which right now is incredible. He's really, really doing well. But it, how will that last? Like, I mean, obviously it looks like it's going to last because he's playing and scoring goals in a sustainable kind of manner. But at the same time, you're sort of thinking, this can't, like, he's finally, he, this can't keep going. Like, you know, but but it, it, so far it is. Mm. And that and that's it. And, it. and it's just excellent players. I mean, you know, a lot of it is just Pedigree's taking great talent that he has available to him. Joaquin, don't forget Joaquin, the legend, mm. uh, 40 years old now, uh, longest seven player in La Liga now that Messi's gone. Joaquin is amazing. Uh, you know, Alex Moreno is really coming on strong, really coming on strong, playing fantastically attacking football. A bit of a ropey defender, but really sensational in attack. Uh, William Carvalho is playing well in central midfield, mm-hmm. but it's, it's Fakir is the key thing. He's probably the most... Again, it's like you talk about who's the, the power vacuum left by Messi, right? So Benzema and Fakir are probably the two players who look like they're filling it the most. Like uh, Fakir is this dribbling, creative genius kind of type, really mercurial, really, really talented, left-footed. And then Benzema, obviously, is Benzema, goals and assists and everything. So those two are really stepping up. And, and Fakir is, is really elevating everyone else. But Canales is really hitting his groove. Now. I think he's 28 or 30 now. He's mm. really a veteran, but he's really finding his groove. He's really playing well. Central midfield. And then Juan is that's the thing, is they're scoring goals, right? Against Barcelona, their goal, the game-winning goal, uh, Juan just popped up with it out of nowhere. Uh, against Rosario, he scored again. Having someone that can score goals is so invaluable. It sounds, it, you know, it's like, I mean... I hate to, not to praise Roy Keane too much because his some response is very strange. But he's right in the fact that putting goals in the back of the net is the most important thing you can do in a football match because 
it helps you win games. I think goal scorers are overvalued in terms of when you talk about individual awards and who's the greatest in the world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Goals shouldn't by themselves should delineate that, but they are in terms of actual winning matches. Goal scorers are very important. Again, as we're seeing over in Barcelona, Barcelona's XG is really good. Their performances are really good. They don't got the goal scorers. They, they, they keep losing games, keep dropping points because they can't score goals. And goal scoring, especially if you're playing an expansive kind of football like Betis do, scoring goals consistently takes the pressure off the whole team. It takes pressure off the defence, off the off the goalkeeper, off everything. And so it makes it a lot easier for them to do their job because the opponents are afraid of you. Yes. Opponents are afraid. If we go forward, they're going to kill us. Liverpool, again, is a great example of this. Liverpool's defence was really dodgy at the start of the season. like, And it still doesn't look 100%. But no one wants to attack them because they're like, oh, God, if we go forward, that guy's Mohamed Salah, Sunday morning is going to kill us. They're terrified. And that's it. You create the fear. Uh, yeah, it's, mutu- mm-hmm. it's mutually assured destruction. Once you create the fear in the opponent, they don't want to attack because they're too afraid to do it. Because they think if we do, they're going to get us. And yeah. so that's what that's what I mean. That's what I mean about you need to inculcate this bravery in teams to actually play expansive football. It really is. It takes bravery to do it. And that's something that I think Pellegrini doesn't get a lot of credit for. I think people look at his demeanor. They look at the fact that he seems like he's almost so calm. He's asleep most of the <laughs> yes. time. And they just assume that he's not really doing much. But he is that kind of coach. And obviously, everywhere he's been previously, we think of Real Madrid, we think of Malaga, we think of Manchester City. We also think a little bit of West Ham. He's tried to be a progressive play, um, manager, tried to mm-hmm. get his players uh, to play attacking football. So yeah. we do hope that's going to help them. I do wonder, obviously, they're in the Europa League playoff rounds against Zenit. Yeah. So that's an extra game that they're going to have to play that some of their opponents aren't. And let's talk about their city rivals, because as I mentioned, they had high hopes at the beginning of the season and they are kind of playing up to it. And theirs does tend to be very much built on defence, that Kunde Carlos axis at the centre of their defence. But obviously these are two very highly touted players. So do you see an issue where someone might try to come in for a Jules Kunde in January and maybe disrupts Sevilla's momentum? January, I don't think so. I think if it was going to happen, it would happen in the summer. Obviously, Chelsea were heavily linked with him. Um, And I think next summer, again, it might happen again. They might come in for him. I think January bid for a player of his stature. I mean, it's certainly possible, right? Laporte moved in January, didn't he, to Man City. Van Dijk moved in January to Liverpool. You know, so it's certainly possible they'd sign a player like that. But I don't see it necessarily happening. Uh, The thing with Sevilla, what's interesting is what's what's going to undo them is not the fact that they might lose a bunch of games and everything. What's going to do them is the fact that, they, you know, they don't score enough goals. That their, their goal scoring is hit and miss and they'll nil, they'll draw their way to, like, they'll draw their way to not winning the title almost or not challenging, right? And that that's that's what's going to give Real Madrid, like Real Madrid versus Sevilla, which basically looks like it's going to be, because you, you figure Betis will drop off long term. So what it looks like it's going to be the, the main La Liga title race, Real Madrid versus Sevilla, what's going to happen is you're going to find Real Madrid, I mean, right now they're already, I mean, they've got game in hand, but they're already, what is it, eight points ahead of Sevilla? And Sevilla's game hands against Barcelona, so it's not a guaranteed win for Sevilla. Uh, Eight-point gap already, and you figure that's only going to get bigger because Sevilla will just draw games. They'll, they'll, I mean, they've drawn four already this season, lost twice. Yeah, you, know, you just you can just see them drop dropping points with City draws. They did it in Europe a lot. It's just it's just an issue for them. Yeah, it is an issue for them. And again, I think a lot of people look at the manager Julian Lopetegui, and then very much like we were saying with Pellegrini, the philosophy of the manager kind of dictates the way the team play. And mm. I mean, yes, you can say he looked at that team and saw, well, we've got two very good 
centre-backs, we've got an improving goalkeeper in Bono. So mm. we should probably build from here. Yeah, but yeah. as you say, when you are moving into that elite competition and every point counts in a title race, it is going to be exactly those kind of things that drop them down. I mean, they kind of drew their way into the Europa League, if you look at the way their Champions yeah, League group That's goes. what I'm saying. That's no what I'm saying. And it, it's frustrating because uh, their defence is great. Uh, they defend very well. They're very organised. Uh, Diego Carlos is very good, although a bit too happy to dive in and commit, commit uh, give away penalties. Kunde is phenomenal. You know, they've got Montiel at right back, really, really good. Acuna left back. They've got Argentina's left fullbacks. You know, they're really good. They've got great, got a really good defensive unit. Fernando in defence has found a second life playing there, you know, so in defensive field, sorry. So they're a good team. They're really solid. Just their problem is can they consistently score goals to really sort of keep keep pace with Real Madrid? I don't think they can. It would be nice if they could. But yeah, this is this is what I'm saying. Madrid, this is why it's funny. Like it's, it's the start of December, middle of December. Madrid have already won La Liga, really, for being realistic <laughs> about it. Like, okay, they could collapse. They could have a big drop, drop, drop points and everything. But the thing is, I think even if they drop points, and I do think they're going to drop points. They're not going to win every game to the season. I think they'll drop a bunch of points. But... No one else in the league is going to be consistent enough to catch them for my money. So Sevilla will draw their way to the title. They'll draw their way out of the title race, sorry, I should say. Betis, I mean, look, I would love Betis to keep going. And to be fair, Manuel Pedigree did once get 96 points for Real Madrid and didn't win La Liga. So, um, you know, he probably he won. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, so he he could maybe give it a give it a good push. But the Betis, again, you're relying on Rami consistently scoring. Will he hit that for a whole season? I mean, if he can, who knows? But Atletico Madrid are going to drop points. Real Sociedad, I mean, everyone was like tightening after the title. I was like, no, 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 no. It's Atletico Madrid. Guys, they're going to drop points. They're going to drop a lot of points. It's Real Sociedad and Atletico Madrid. You can't trust them. It's a miracle Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid did it last year. Sorry, Real Sociedad, born to drop title, drop points. 2003 La Liga title race, anyone remembers that? They should have won it. They were amazing. And they bottled it at the end to Real Madrid. So... The, the only team that for anyone from the Alonso family who are watching, by the way, because that one's quite raw still, I imagine. <laughs> the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now, it's time for us to address the red and blue shaped elephant in the corner. <laughs> we haven't talked about Barcelona yet because they are miles off the pace. They yeah. do now have Xavi in place who is supposed to be the prodigal son. He's been planning this move for, for decades, it seems like, and now he's finally in situ. They do look like they are beginning to show some shoots of recovery. Mm-hmm. The question is, will it be in time to get back into the Champions League places? I mean, they're 18 points behind Madrid right now. 18 points behind Madrid. And, you know, look, this is this is the thing. But in terms of Champions League places... Uh, Atletico Madrid are 29 points and Barcelona have 24 points. So they're not miles off the Champions League places. They're not miles. Because again, like I said, Madrid just running away. Everyone has to drop points. So they're not miles away. And the thing is, was you've watched them under Xavi, there's huge improvements in certain areas. Massive improvements. The structural organization of the team is much better. They're not really pressing consistently, which again is what Xavi said. And, they, and then when they're pressed, this is what I was saying about you. it takes time to get the confidence in. When they're pressed, they don't keep possession. You remember Barcelona used to be under Pep and under Tito, Tito Villanova, and even to a degree under Luis Enrique, but mainly under Pep and Tito. When you press them, they'd just be like, okay, cool. And they just keep the ball. Pass, pass, pass for like five minutes and you wouldn't see the ball again. And then the game would slow down and you'd get bored and you'd get back into your defence. And, you know, they used to kill games by doing that and used to own games by doing that. And they don't do that now. When you press them now, they panic and kick it long because 
under Lucien Riquet, they would just kick it to MSN, let MSN sort it out. Under Valverde and Kike Setien and Ronald Koeman, it was like, get the ball away, get it away, try and attack. It was because they forgot their first principles, right? Possession and pressing and, and dominate the ball that way. So Xavi's come back and he's talked the talk very much. And you can see that he's trying to get them to do it. But it's hard. It takes time. It takes time on the training pitch. And remember, when you're playing every three days, you don't really have time on the training pitch. Mm. This is why the mistake they made, Joan Laporta made, was not sacking Ronald Koeman in the summer. Like, I understand why he didn't. His idea was, let's go a whole season. This season's going to be rough. Let's let Koeman ride the season out. And then we'll get Xavi in the next time we will have money again to spend and whatnot, whatnot. But it was a mistake because Koeman was such a... They got what they got last year for two reasons. One, the three-five-two they changed mm-hmm. to. And two... Ronald uh, Messi went ballistic, and uh, the three five. He wasn't allowed to play three five two this year. They told him to play four three three, which is a terrible idea for Ronald Koeman. And the other thing is Messi's not there anymore. So you know they lost their cheat code, uh, and and Ronald Koeman couldn't play the only formation he could play that made some sort of sense, mm. right? And then also to be fair as well, the ultimate thing was he had a sort of quasi good thing going with Memphis, Brathwaite, and Griezmann as a front three. Uh, it kind of worked. With their with the Memphis's uh, Brathwaite's hard work and running, complementing Memphis, being a bit lackadaisical, a bit a bit languid. Then Brathwaite got injured, and Griezmann left, and so it's then Memphis, and then and then and then it, to replace those two guys, the, these two quick, hardworking wing winger attacking midfielder types, uh, Ronald Koeman asked for Luke De Jong, who is a player slower than Memphis, <laughs> and even less mobile than Memphis. Uh, so I don't really know what Ronald Koeman was thinking. I feel, to like, be honest. I feel like he's slower and less mobile than us. To be, I mean, honest. it's possible. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I would never want to say that because obviously, but you you don't really realize how athletic footballers are till you get to stand next to them and watch them do their thing. But look, he's he's look, Luke Young's a fine player. I don't want to feel like I'm saying he's the problem in the sense that he is the problem, but it's not his fault. He's a fine player, but he's outsourcing this Barcelona team completely. They don't really play to his strengths and never have done. And what Barca needed was fast players to complement Memphis. Now, you've seen since Abde, since Dembele's come back, since Xavi's brought Abde into the team. Well, to be fair, Sergio brought Abde into the team first. But since Abde's come into the team and Dembele's back and Ansu's play, they look better because that's pace and that's pay, penetration. And then Memphis can be the slower kind of, you know, languid kind of guy. You know, Luke de Jong is it's a terrible compliment. And that really derailed their season. So Xavi's been starting from a massive handicap because they were awful. You know, they, they, you know, they just, they've just been so bad and they threw the Champions League away before, almost before Xavi had even arrived. Like he had to win hmm. deep Benfica and there's no goal scorers in the team. There's no Ansu Fati. There's no anyone except for Memphis and Memphis had a horrible game against Benfica. So, but this is all just come back to what I've been saying all pod. Goals of goal scorers. It just changes everything. Barca's XG, let me just tell you this, right? Barcelona's XG is 28.25. That's second in the league, only to Real Madrid, who's, who's XG is 38. Uh, 30.89. Right, they just not put them in. They got they can't put them in. They, they but, but Barca scored twenty five goals. Remember, just scored thirty nine. Yeah, like it, it. You know, it's just mad. And and also, it's the value of the goal scorer. So, uh, just ex, 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 expected goals on target, which just shows where the shot is going in the goal. Right, it's thirty two point point one. So they're they're taking excellent shots, Vinicius and Benzema especially. Right, Barca's expected goals on target is twenty six point six. They're not taking. So they're not taking good shots in the first. They're not not. They're creating chances. But they're taking bad shots because they don't have goal scoring. They don't have consistent goal scorers. The only one they have is 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, and he's injured, Ansu Fati. Yeah. If Ansu has four goals in eight games this season, if he was fit, they'd be fine. I mean, oh, literally, they'd be fine because he's he's a goal scorer, but he's injured. And Memphis is meant to step up. 
And Memphis is inconsistent. And we know this, we've known this about Memphis for years. He's a wonderful, magical player to watch. But over a whole season, we know he's inconsistent. And when you're dealing with the burden of playing that for Barcelona, his dream club, he's got a picture of him as a little kid wearing the shirt. So his dream club, he's playing for his dream club. You're playing for Barcelona. You've got to carry Barcelona in the post-Messi era. You're the talisman now in attack. That's a lot to deal with. And he's obviously struggling with it. And you know, now under Xavi, you've got a whole new system. But under, under Kuman, it was like he understood what he was doing. He know he known Kuman from the national side. Under Xavi, he's got to learn a whole new thing now. It's a whole he, new system, and he's really struggling. He was very much the face of the team under Kuman, the new star, the big new star signing. Obviously, yes. under Xavi, it's now changed. The face is going to be the young guns, the La Masia link, as you mentioned. He's probably going to get more time than a lot of other Barcelona managers would have, but... It's going to be really interesting to see exactly how he puts it into place. Now, we could spend all day talking about Barcelona and the Venetia. There's, there's a lot to discuss. There is a lot to discuss. And that, I, feel, that, you know. I have a feeling this won't be the last time we cover the subject on this European show. Possibly, possibly not, though. With it being show number one, that's mm. all you're getting for now. Just a little <laughs> taster of what this show is going to be. So, Mo... Thank you so much for joining me through this advance across La Liga. I'm sure you'll be back again and we will be able to dive into all of what European football has to offer. Thank you all very much for listening. We'll see you again. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.